I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple. Robin Washett as uh, first week of the year, guys. I uh, hope everybody enjoyed like the week where no one did anything. I mean, it wasn't last week just great. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a week like that. I worked. <laughs> well, yeah, we worked, but just <laughs> yeah, it's not like we were just sitting around. I, I wrote here. two columns in the last five days. I think when New Year's Eve falls on a Saturday, <laughs> Sean, and Christmas Eve falls on yeah. a Saturday, and then Christmas Day and New Year's Day are on a Sunday, and then the observed holidays are Monday. I mean, it's just it's just like this incredible ten day period of nothing. Yeah, it's it's all relative. Like things were still happening. What am I missing here? But compared well, to for the rest of the country, not Steve yeah. Sipple. Yeah, <laughs> I was working. You're the outlier. I, I no, I'm not. There's a lot of people working. There's a lot of people working. <laughs> well, it's it's not the normal grind. I mean, no, it's not that. But people weren't like in the Husker football offices doing a lot right. of stuff. Like in, in like what we what we do. I mean, even Robin had like a solid break with basketball to the Iowa game mm-hmm. yeah good that's good I'm mm-hmm. so yeah we we're here in um <laughs> Nebraska still not done adding players to the roster um they added two more mm-hmm. at the Under Armour All-American game in Orlando Cameron Linhart a 6'3 250-pound edge out of uh, Staten Island New York IMG Academy um, listed as a defensive lineman for Nebraska. So, um, you know, I'll be curious where he fits. Is he going to be a true edge? Are they going to beef him up to a D lineman? Um, how will he grow in this scheme? Um, then Ethan Nation, a 5'10", 160-pound corner out of Roswell, Georgia. He was getting a tattoo, um, and then he got the call from Nebraska. You want to come on a visit? And next thing you know, a car picked him up. This was Brian Munson's reporting on Husker Online. Is that uh, how it works? Yeah. He, he, he's like, hey. Uh, that was the first time he had heard from Nebraska, and hours later he was in a car heading to the airport. So they'll come and get you. Car service, yeah. Wow. I'll call you an Uber. Hmm. Okay, think about this. Like, you've traveled a lot. It's hard to get to the airport. I mean, for some people it's hard to get there on time and mm-hmm. do it right. Mm-hmm. Imagine a 17-year-old that's probably never really flown, you know, a lot. Because mm-hmm. when you were – think about when you were young. How much did you really fly? No, mm-hmm. I didn't. I flew for the first time when I was 22. Like, we went to a youth group trip to Chicago, and I remember, like, we did, like, fundraisers and pancake feeds and every, just to go on the trip, yeah. you know, and, and go to Chicago. And it was, like, a huge deal to, like, fly. So, yeah, you know, to get a kid through security on time, get him to the airport, you know, I think schools have learned that it's a lot easier just to have a car service. As far as those two kids go, those are both significant pickups. I mean, I think people are a little more familiar with the with the big man, um, Lenhart. Yeah, Lenhart. But Nate, I mean, Ethan Nation. If you watch 
his huddle. You watch his video. He's a, he's an intriguing player. He's got great ball skills. It's a corner because he was a good receiver. I mean, a lot of his film is him playing receiver. He's a very good receiver. And one of the highlights is him savagely blocking downfield. He's a football player. Mm-hmm. Like he is a legit like Sean, he really prop. He 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 really captivated me. I don't get that way with recruits very often, but man, his that kid is going he I think he'll be a factor pretty quick. So to your point, last season he caught 27 passes for 427 yards and three touchdowns. He also had 36 tackles, three interceptions and a fumble recovery on defense. He was also their kickoff and kickoff punt returner. Yeah, like he did everything. To yeah, your point, yeah. he is a football player. Yeah, and he loves it. You can mm-hmm. see in his video he loves he plays with joy. Yeah, this is a great it's a great pickup for now, Nebraska. My question still though is what? Why was Nebraska his only official visit he took? Mm. How is a guy with oh, all man. the offers that he reported, he, I mean, he reports Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, Miami, Colorado, Colorado Ohio State. State. He had several offers, Oklahoma. LA. Now, how many of those offers were committable mm, is right. a whole other discussion. Um, but when you look at it, Nebraska was the only official visit he took. Um, so, what do you think? Is there an academic piece there that we don't? Is there a piece to this puzzle that we obviously don't know? You it's know, strange because he played for Roswell, which was twelve and two. And went to the playoffs. It's a good, he played on a good team. I mean, mm-hmm. you, again, you watch the video and you watch the players around. That's a good team. He, um, so I don't know. That's an odd. That's an oddity for sure. That's an oddity. I don't know what to tell you about it. I just know his film looks good. Yeah, yeah. and what I like too is he's got that cornerback confidence yeah, to him, does. where yeah, uh, <laughs> there is no uh, unsurety of himself. His quote, his quote says, "I'm here to prove there are not three defensive backs out here better than me." Right. That's the mentality you need if you're yeah. going to try to make it to this level. That's four high school defensive backs Nebraska's taken now in the class. When you break down the numbers with Ethan Nation on board, um, the other defensive backs: Dwight Boodle, Sincere Safiala. And Ramirez Stewart. So uh, they really loaded up in the high school ranks. Then Corey Collier's coming in from the transfer portal from Florida, University right. of Florida. Yeah. So those are two late. I mean, I, I guess I call them late. Significant pickups: Ethan Nation and Cameron Lenhart. Significant. Twenty-two high school freshmen now on the roster coming in. That's that's a good number. Mm-hmm. Um, Twenty-three total traditional recruits. Um, the other guy that would be in the traditional recruit category is Kai Whalen. Uh, the junior college edge. Mm-hmm. Um, who's, he'll come in as a sophomore. Um, 30 new players. So think about that. 30 new players, and we're barely in the first week of January. Last year they took 33, and we were pretty moved by that number. Nebraska's on a pace to take more probably than they did a year ago. Yeah, and the difference is the, the type of players, the, the newcomers they're taking. Last year was full of guys they were plugging and playing, immediate impact transfers. You know, They were re- reshaping the roster to – compete right away it seems like with with this youth movement this is a long-term plan to where they're building the roster at the beginning in the shape that they want it and you know rather than trying to go year to year quick fix after quick fix there's a few guys there's a few guys that you're plugging and playing i think ben scott there will always be a few guys but you i don't know you can't make that your primary source of recruiting i mean especially in the big 10 dicey and there's a good breakdown on on three right now by mike hugan in of last year's transfer portal breakdown uh, nebraska added technically 16 players from the portal a year ago 
Um, and they only improved the record by one game. Mm. 16 from the portal last year, seven so far this year. And you'd identify Ben Scott is one that you that it's like I guess we call plug and play. Mm-hmm. He'd probably be the starting center. But who else are we talking about? I mean, Sims is going to compete for oh, the yeah, starting Sims, quarterback. For job. sure. Yeah, Jeff Sims. Yeah. And I, I think Corey Collier, Chief Borders from Florida. You know, J- Josh Fleeks is going to play. Don't you think Elijah Judy has got a good shot in the interior line? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then I do think Marco Ortiz is starting at long snap, right? right. I mean, that's a given. So I do think when you look at it, they have three to four starters for sure on those portals. So Ooh, three to four. So, well, so Ortiz, Scott, Sims, and maybe Judy. Wait a second. And maybe Judy. Wait a second. Oh, Sims. This is this is the uh, debate. You, wait, 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 what, what, Sean's what on Team Sims. Sims is on what, what Team are you Casey. About? <laughs> you see Casey Thompson last year by chance? Well, do you think I ask you this, Sean? Did you hear Matt Rule talk about? I Sims? did. I did. <laughs> but I would ask Matt Rule. Watch the Iowa tape. Tell me, could Sims execute an aggressive downfield passing game like Casey Thompson did against Iowa? Could Sims do that? It's going to be a battle, one way or the other. I mean, yeah. Sims has 23 games of starting experience. He's going to get the spring, the number one reps probably, most of the spring, if not all the spring. He'll have an advantage there. And, I mean, he came in presumably on a fairly significant NIL deal. You know, like, it'd be interesting to know the numbers. His NIL oh, versus that, Wouldn't that be interesting? Mm, pretty telling. <laughs> that would be, we'll never know. Be, we'll never know. Wouldn't and, that be interesting? Yes. NIL numbers are sticky, too, because you're talking about cars Mm-hmm. Furniture. Right. It's not just a dollar amount. Apartment apartments and you know, you can value NIL deal any way you want. Like you, you can say, Oh yeah, that apartment deal is worth three grand a month when it you know it Do you might think be those worth- guys compare apartments. I would. I think it's probably impossible not to compare, right. especially right. when you're quarterback. The big coup is if you get a starting job, if you get a two bedroom unit by yourself, then you know, like that's a pretty big deal for your family to be able to stay in there, and not have to get a hotel. Anyway, so so what will happen here? I mean, the way I envision this setting up is, yeah, I think you're right. Sims could get an, a leg up in a competition in the spring because Casey probably is not going to be available at all. But then Casey will get well. You know, he's had shoulder surgery. He will get well. He will get his rhythm back in the summer, and then in August, it's on. And he's the type of guy that is not going to leave Rule's office or Satterfield's office. Like, he's going to be there, be there. every day yep. watching film, breaking down yep. film with the staff. I mean, like, he, he won't be just some stranger sitting on the sideline. No. He won't be on the field getting reps, which is critical, right? Uh, especially learning a new offense. But uh, from the mental standpoint, he's not going to miss a thing. Yeah, and here's the thing now. Now, Casey, some people say, Sipple, do you really think he'll be there come August or after Where's spring? he going to go? Well, now listen, he's pretty marketable. Go run his training facility in Oklahoma City. Yeah, but he could he could find a school in May. You know, what's the portal dates? May 1 to 15. But would it be a good Power 5 school? I don't know. I mean, that's hard to say. I mean, yeah. like somebody had to really have a in, injuries and things happen. Casey um, Casey, I I just think he's earned a lot of capital here at, at Nebraska with with how he performed in 2022 and how how profound the difference was between he and the backups. I mean, it was really stunning. It wasn't even comparable. No, it was really startling at times. Like, whoa, there's a a gigantic drop-off. Like, they probably beat Minnesota with Casey Thompson. 
But now here's the yeah, question. Here's the question: Is what's the chance. what's the comparison between Sims? Well, Sims, I watched Sims, Sims was not in that conversation. I took two hours and watched Sims on Monday. He's a oh horse. boy. He's yeah. I get I get why those guys are enamored. Six four two twenty. Oh, he's a good looking player, and he can throw. Now he's a beautiful runner. There's no doubt between Sims and Casey who the better runner is. My God, Sims is a great runner. So I'm not gonna like say Lamar Jackson, but are there qualities to that with his size, athleticism, eh, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, rule rule said like he's an NFL player. Yeah, and he said <laughs> NFL people are telling him he's right. an NFL player. Are they saying that about Casey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, not not as much. Now here's the thing: Sims has been injury prone. I mean, you look into it a little bit. 2021, he missed six games. 2022, he missed five. Has sprained foot. He also threw a lot of picks, 30 touchdowns, 23 picks. So did Casey. Now, Casey threw a lot of picks, too. Um, there's, and then even on his highlight videos, Sims, you hear the announcers on his highlight videos talking about his inconsistency. You know, they'll say, well, he's been inconsistent. Oh, but he, that was a good throw. <laughs> so I think that's the issue um, is consistency. All right, I wanted to hit on the staff, too. Um, kind of going long here, segment one, but I want to make sure we get this in opening headlines as well. Um, nothing official, at least as of Wednesday, on the new coaches, um, but we do believe the staff is finalized. Bob Wager is going to be the tight end assistant special teams coach. Um, you're going to have uh, Devor- Rob Dvorak from the Carolina Panthers be an inside linebackers coach who's been long speculated to be the guy. The real surprise, though, is Garrett McGuire from the Carolina Panthers as well, the son of Texas Tech head coach Joey McGuire, who used to work with Matt Rule, 23 years old, yeah. turns 24 in February, mm. will be Nebraska's wide receivers coach. Yeah, I mean, I'm, we're at the point now where I'm really starting to feel old when – Dudes are 16 years younger than me <laughs> coaching. Being you full, should feel full-time right. position coaches. Like, yeah, th- th- so that, my first reaction. Second reaction was, you know, like a lot of fans, I was a bit kind of leery of it. When you get a kid that young cutting his teeth in the Big Ten, you know, I it, it definitely raises some eyebrows. But, you know, this week, you know, especially during our RSS chat, it was brought to my attention that there was a guy by the name of Lincoln Riley who was a 20 three 24-year-old receivers coach at Texas Tech. Charlie Weiss Jr. Turned out pretty good. So, I mean, Matt Rule, like, I think he's earned the right to have the benefit of the doubt at this point with some of these hires. Now, this is a total outside-of-the-box hire, in my opinion, uh, to get a kid that young, but uh, there's clearly something there. And uh, I'm very curious to see how that progresses. The question you ask, and the question that has to be asked of Matt Rule is, is this. Um, I'll think about how to word it before I do it. But <laughs> but you have to ask this question. You have to get to this. In recruiting, if the, if you're recruiting a four-star, a star, five-star receiver, why is he going to pick Nebraska mm-hmm. over a place that has a proven receivers coach who's put guys in the NFL, who's who's had, I mean, a lot of success? Why Why is he going to choose to play for a guy who's cutting his teeth and is about the, your age, about that player's age. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the are are you going to lose? Are you going to lose ground in recruiting because of that? That's what I would wonder right now. now. If I had a boy, if yeah. I had a son, and that's a legit question. Yeah, if I had a son who was eighteen years old and a four-star receiver, and LSU's recruiting him, and Texas is recruiting him, 
and A and M and the big, you know the big dogs. And you look at their receivers coaches and and their grown grown men. Well, not that not that Garrett McGuire's not a grown man, but I mean guys that have been around. Uh, what are you What are you going to? I mean, that's got to be a big question in your mind. It yeah. is. But my, that's my, real talk. My counter to that would be, you know, just a week and a half ago he was coaching in the NFL. I mean, sure. Granted, not a full time position coach, but you know he's he's been at the NFL level. He's worked under Matt Rule. His dad is the head coach at Texas Tech. So, I mean, like he's been around high level coaching probably his entire life, mm-hmm. and he's got connections. <laughs> you want to talk about relating to players? Josh Fleeks, the Baylor transfer, was a teammate of his at Baylor. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, maybe that relationship is positive. Yeah. Real quick, Bo Pelini, your close colleague, your friend, mm-hmm. Sipple, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, how old was he when he coached for the 49ers? Yeah, he was young. He like was 23? Yeah. Was... He coached Deion Sanders when he was that young. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was, yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. And you mentioned, you mentioned, um, Charlie Weiss Jr. Yeah. And he's like a 20, young 20 something. 22, 23 when he was hired by Lane Kiffin and I mean, at he, Florida Atlantic. Yeah. And, and he came from Texas Tech or he, he had another, he had another job before Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta Falcons. He was Atlanta Falcons, then Lane Kiffin. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's kind of moved around. So, um, all right. We're way over here in opening okay. headlines. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to continue the conversation. Talk transfer portal for Nebraska and then overall scholarship numbers next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sipple as uh, talking just transfer portal now and roster needs uh, for Nebraska and kind of where things are at. And, you know, today, and, and we're about two weeks away, from classes starting at UNL, and that really doesn't matter. I mean, the key date is August, um, and before we get to that, I want to the key segment date is what in August for the eighty-five scholarships. Okay. But this segment is brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill, thirtieth and Yankee Hill Road. Get on into Tanner's, go in there, watch the national championship game Monday night. Uh, go in there, watch all the NFL action. I might swing in there, watch the Chiefs game on Saturday. Uh, Chiefs are playing Saturday night um, against the Raiders, but thirtieth uh, Yankee Hill, get some wings. Uh, cold beer, burgers, sandwiches. That's Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill. But sorry about that. Back to the numbers. Okay. Uh, Nebraska is today at 92 players on scholarship. Now, um, the portal closes January 16th, and it reopens May 1. So there is a lot of time in between windows here. And, and you know, there haven't been any entries for Nebraska this week. And I, hmm. get, I get asked this question a lot, like, are there going to be? And my thought is, like, if you don't have a place to go, why would you give up a financial situation not knowing you don't have another one? Because people are in your ear telling you that there's bigger and better things and greener grass somewhere else. I mean, I think it happens all the time where it's not just about playing time. It's about, um, you know, getting your, your best possible deal um, when it might not be uh, in your best interest when you sit down and actually break down the numbers and look at the actual opportunities that will be available. Yeah, this is where I mean NIL is big in this discussion, and, and Nebraska's been pretty aggressive. Uh, in, in this, hey, in the month of December, a lot happened. I mean, they 
they locked down. We had a story. Jer- Jeremy Crabtree uh, of On3 had a story about it. They locked down key players. Reimer, Henrich, Robinson. Who else, Sean? Anthony Grant. Uh, uh, AJ, AJ Allen. Quentin Newsom. AJ Allen. Yeah. Oh, did they lock down Quentin Newsom? They just announced it on Wednesday. Is that right? Teddy Prohaska. Okay. See, that's – and I'm going to tell you something right now. All that was going on with 1890, the 1890 initiative, and it was a very busy month. That is a very behind-the-scenes kind of thing that people don't understand. It doesn't get a lot of like coverage, no. but it's big. Oh, my God, it's big. You couldn't lose Reimer. You can't lose him. You've already lost too much off the defense, in my opinion. You, you know, you lost O'Shawn Mathis and Garrett Nelson and Colton Feast. Those are big losses. You lost Hausman. That's a big loss. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody likes to hear that, but it's true. Um, you you couldn't. There are some guys now when you when it gets down to it, you couldn't lose. You couldn't lose your inside linebackers. Okay, so yeah, what was going on in December was big. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was big. And they locked guys down. That was what they needed to do. Yeah, and there's always going to be losses. There will always be attrition in today's transfer portal world. And there's going to be guys that you don't want to see leave that leave. And for me, you know, Ernest Hausman probably tops that list just because of his long-term ceiling. But, you know, the fact that they were able to retain what they did mm-hmm. and then com- complement that with the additions they've made in the transfer portal, I'd say overall, the as far as the portal goes, uh, this offseason has been a success so far. So far, but they need there's needs, and that's what we're no, going to talk about needs. now. Still needs and still a lot of oh, time yeah, to fill. Oh, yeah, there's them. needs. you got to get – hey, just start with that inside linebacker position. You better get some backups there. Mm-hmm. You better get a guy who can come in and play. Well, you look at right now, when you break down the numbers, it's Henrich and Reimer, and then – Kapai. Well, I mean, who's the – the question is, who's the third guy? I don't know. I mean, would it, would it be Grant Taggy? I mean, based on like guys that have played, even though he's still a walk-on, or would it be Garrett Snodgrass who's been injured? Uh, Kapai's never played. Malcolm's never. Seth Malcolm's never played. Uh, Makai Gaber has never played. Right. Those are the scholarship guys. I know. Those are the guys you got to get um, ready. You got to get them ready. I think Eric Fields and Dylan Rogers, yeah, one of those say. freshmen, could have an opportunity. Have an Ooh. opportunity. Have an opportunity. But you know who's the? You saw what that looked like with Hausman. He's. I mean, he's a really good player. But man, early he was not. That, that was hurting him. But who, swimming in it. who yeah. is the third <laughs> inside backer right now? I mean, uh, good question. Would he you, might be playing somewhere else. In, you might be playing I mean, it would have somewhere. to be Snodgrass, right? Just for, for where or, he was on the depth tag, chart last or tag. year. Okay, so so uh, another area needs. they got to go get receivers. Yeah, Probably no plural. No plural, doubt. right? Yeah, either that or you're hoping – well, Josh Fleeks, I don't look at him as a number one, though. No, and, he's and a complimentary piece. There really isn't a number one on this roster. Washington's probably the Washington. closest. Or Alante Brown. I'd put Washington. He's played way more. Sean. I mean, those are your top two yeah. right now. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I would, I mean, if I was projecting your starting three based on the players that are here today, it's Alante Brown, Marcus Washington, Josh Fleeks. Those are probably your starting three. Yeah, yeah but your one is Marcus Washington. Probably. Yeah. I mean, so but I, he's not a true one. Not really. He's never been a true one. No. But I think by default with this current depth chart, he is That's what I mean. He's the clear one. Can you go out and get a clear one? I like, think you can. like Trey Palmer. Ah. Maybe not like Trey Palmer. I don't know, maybe. I guess it depends on what's out there because there's going to be a whole new batch of players that enter the portal after spring ball. Four freshman receivers, though. Malachi Coleman, Jaden Doss, Bryce Turner, Jalen Lloyd coming in. Can one of those guys give you something? Hey, can what, Malachi Coleman give you something? What can about Janarian Bonner? Janarian Bonner? Yeah. He should be a guy that um, competes. You know, he redshirted, and 
He's built like a Big Ten receiver, I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. He doesn't run like they like these guys to run. I mean, mm-hmm. you look at what they've done in recruiting. It's a track team. They've, mm-hmm. they've literally added track guys at receiver. Janiron Bonner, not a track guy. Not really. Big body, big thick so body. So does he fit what they want to do is my question. Right. So then there, then, then the next place he goes is offensive line. You added Ben Scott, who's probably, probably your starting center. But now what? They're looking at tackles still. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Walter Rouse from Stanford is reportedly going to visit Nebraska. Now, we haven't confirmed when that's going to be, but um, it's expected to happen here in January before classes begin. Um, so Walter Rouse is a name to watch uh, as Nebraska is at least courting him or talking to him. And there's been some reports out there that Nebraska will get a visit in January. January 23rd is when classes start, so that's all got to happen fairly fast. Yeah, there's two weekends. I mean – not only this weekend, but the next two weekends after, you can bring a visitor in. So okay. I, I think Nebraska will have an opportunity to get him here. So on, uh, you're also trying to fortify the defensive line. And um, what about edge? It's both. Yeah, I, I mean, I count that as defensive line. But, yeah, edge and in. Ed, edge and in the interior. you got to get guys. Guys, plural. Plural. Now, Chief Borders, you wonder, is he ready to be a factor on the edge? Doesn't You can't really find tape um, that would – suggest that at the college level but i mean he's here for a reason um there are very few known commodities in that group you had blaze gunnerson played a handful of snaps jamari butler i mean he big drop off let's face it there's a big drop off from garrett nelson oshawn matheson caleb tanner to gunnerson and butler no doubt there was there was a big drop huge drop off yeah those guys well listen Garrett Nelson, say what you want about Garrett Nelson and O'Shawn Mathis. One was a second-team All-Big Ten player, and the other was a second-team All-Big 12 player. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what you lost. And Tanner never missed a game. I mean, he was reliable. Mm-hmm. And he was a grown man, he, and he did make plays. Those guys didn't have the, just the, the gaudy sack numbers that you thought maybe they would have. But, I mean. They were all playing pretty well towards the end of the year, yep. I'll tell you that much. Yep. Watch the Iowa game. Yeah, no doubt. All right, um, and Walter Rouse is expected, I think, to visit this weekend. So that's mm. something to watch uh, moving forward. The Stanford tackle will visit Nebraska uh, potentially this weekend. He has not confirmed it publicly, uh, but that is the scuttle right now that uh, Rouse could be here this weekend. Boy, that's so, big. Uh, Where else? Where else are you looking? You don't need, I don't think you. Need, I think you're set at running back. That doesn't mean you turn your back on a real good one, but. You're good. You're pretty good yeah, at running it's back. Kind of that room's getting a little crowded now. With Grant coming yeah, and Allen coming back. Grant coming back. Allen coming back. Ramirez back. Gabe Irvin's back. They're pretty set there. All right. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk Nebraska basketball. The Huskers had a disappointing night in East Lansing. Can they rebound this weekend in Minneapolis? Robin Washett will give us the latest on that. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett talking Nebraska basketball. After a really, really high moment, uh, defeating Iowa a little over a week ago, the Huskers traveled to East Lansing, a great opportunity on the road. 
and it just wasn't meant to be. Nebraska falls 74-56. Michigan State shot lights out out of the gates uh, to give us more on the loss. Robin Washhead, uh, Robin, um, just your big takeaway from kind of what was once again one of those punch-in-the-gut type performances. Yeah, so basically the way I sum it up is everything that needed to happen against Iowa for Nebraska to win happened. Everything that could not happen against Michigan State for Nebraska to win happened. And so, um, obviously, you start with the offense. Uh, the shooting in the first half was atrocious. You know, they were in the 20s from the field, 1 of 11 from three-point range, missed a bunch of free throws. Uh, they were getting dominated on the glass. And I think that, that those issues and struggles offensively, once again, um, which has been the case at times, carried over to impact their effort defensively. And if Nebraska does not play high-level defense for 40 minutes, they're going to have a hard time competing with anyone, let alone Michigan State on the road against a Spartan team that comes out, like you said, hitting everything they took. You know, They were upwards around 60% from the field. Tyson Walker had 16 of their first 24 points, and uh, really Nebraska had, had no answer, uh, especially towards the, the back half of the first half, uh, where that thing really got away from them. It was an 11-11 game, and Michigan State ended up closing on a 28-6 run right. to, to go into the half. So that, um, you know, again, the, Nebraska had two very clear points. They wanted to limit Michigan State's offense in transition, and they had to rebound. They got dominated on the boards, plus, I think they were minus 17 on the boards. They gave a bunch of offensive rebounds and second-chance points. And then in transition... Well, you're not seeing like the fast break layups. No. What Michigan State does is they push the tempo and they catch you your defense off guard, uh, and they like to do transition threes. And their ball movement was exceptional. So mm-hmm. Nebraska, I mean, the, they didn't play the the best defense, but a lot of that had to do with how much they were exposed with Michigan State and how crisp they were offensively. Thank you. And this is one of those deals where Michigan State. This is what they do. Every year, you know, they kind of plod through the first part of the season, figure out who they are as a team, and then uh, come the second half of the year, that's when they turned it on. They got Malik Hall back, who makes a huge difference in their rotation just with everything that he brings. And when you got them, the the whole team shooting at that type of clip, uh, with them feeding off the energy of the crowd, you know, they had the alumni, his own alumni game, so there were no students but they had a whole bunch of former students come back in there. Like so thirty-year-old students, yeah, like, like old guys that come back and, and get to sit in the student section. Like th- it was that was a buzzsaw in every sense for Nebraska. So I think the most important thing that they can do now is just flush that one right. as, as quickly as possible. Because come Saturday morning, they have a absolute must-win on the road against Minnesota. If they're going to be a legitimate postseason team, and that's NIT or whatever you want to do. They have to find a way to win these types of games on the road just because road win opportunities are going to be so few and far between in this league. They caught. I mean, I watched a game, and then I watched a post-game. Izzo was really happy. And you know how Izzo is. You're not very happy. They did happy. everything right. He's not happy very often. Hell, his son got in the game. <laughs> yeah, his yeah. son who's my size. His son who averaged <laughs> 1.5 points a game in high school. He's, I, play, he's played like 33 games. As how, how do you point. get a roster spot? I mean, I know how you get well, it. Yeah, you're talking about Hoiberg's kid was like a legit high school player. Yeah, like, no, this kid didn't start as, as Lansing Catholic. Uh, whatever. Now, here's the deal. He didn't. He averaged no, 1.5 I, I, points a game. And like Hoiberg's kid was like a 20-point a game high school player. Right. Now, I would. I think that 
you have to say, you add to the conversation, is that Michigan State maybe played its best game of the year on both yeah. sides of the ball. I think you could certainly make that case. Yeah, you, you're right. They, Nebraska did run into a buzzsaw. And it looked – I was what I was struck by, guys, was how much different the game looked than Iowa. Iowa was really uncomfortable. Nebraska made Iowa's offense really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what, Rob, Sean? Michigan State was very comfortable offensively, and it's like what Rob said. It, Iowa doesn't. I was. Iowa doesn't do what Michigan State does, which is push pace and try to get shots early in the clock. And if they don't, the ball was moving. I mean, it was live. Yeah, that that the, the, the passing in the half court. So when Nebraska great. did what they wanted to do, and they forced Michigan State to try to play a half court game, Michigan State was exceptional. Crisp with how quickly they were moving the ball. They and they and you know what, Rob? They got comfortable looks. Yeah. I mean, Taja Walker was getting comfortable looks. Yeah, and when you start seeing those shots fall early, yeah. then all of a sudden the the crowd, <laughs> the fifty fifty shots go in a heck of a lot more. Yeah. Call me crazy, but an eleven a.m. road opportunity. I mean, that's a good time to go into a road venue. I mean, those students aren't going to be as live. They're, if, if they're students at all, I mean, it's at eleven. A.m. It's January yeah. in Minneapolis, having to get up in the morning to go watch it. I mean, so I, I think Nebraska's got a real opportunity, Robin. In yeah, this. and Minnesota, you could make the case is probably now considered the worst team in the Big Ten, and they. But that being said, they almost beat Wisconsin on the road on Tuesday night. So, and you're going up there right now. That's yep, your plan. Yep, that's the plan. So, be able to see it. For, just and the reason I justified it is because this is such an important game. Like if Nebraska really is that team that come March we're talking about them having a legitimate postseason option, this is the type of game they have to win. They have to defend home court and they have to find a way to get games like this on the road. I mean, like Minnesota, that's- Northwestern, um you know, maybe even like like a Penn State, like those are the types of games that you got to find a way to get at least some of those if you're going to have even a remote chance at a postseason resume. Yep. All right. Uh, when we come back, um, we're going to continue the conversation. We got lots of questions in the mailbag to get to. Uh, we're going to hit on those questions next. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett taking you through this first week of the new year. Uh, taking your questions now in the mailbag and uh, lots of questions. Abby Barmore uh, not with us today, uh, but we got all the questions still from Abby. Um, she had something come up this morning, so uh, we will get through these questions, guys. Um, the first question, call your shot. What does the receiver rotation look like for week one? And we kind of already hit on this. Is that guy not here yet? Uh, but yeah. we know Alante Brown and Marcus Washington probably starters. Maybe Joshua Fleeks is the other one um, based on what they have today. Now, could like a Thomas Fedoni emerge as more of a receiver threat as a tight end? That's another uh, scenario we didn't talk about. Yeah, I – I wish I had the depth chart in front of me. Who are we missing here? Pull up the scholarship distribution ch- table. So there's Marcus Washington and Josh Fleeks, Alante Brown, okay. Tommy Hill, 
<laughs> Give him an off-season working at receiver. Who knows? Whatever he's going to do. Sean Hardy, uh, Janner Bonner, Victor Jones Jr., Malachi Coleman, Jaden Doss, Bryce Turner, Jalen Lloyd. Janiron Bonner. Janiron. I'm, I'm going to get you on that Janiron. one. Okay. Um, I, that's they. Well, what I would tell you, the takeaway from this conversation is this. They need to add a guy who's proven it to Power 5 level. They need to add maybe two. Is that – I mean, but are they even – like, is there somebody coming in for a visit? We don't even know. Right. You know, like, that's the other, like, the, the, the portal is so different, too. It's a lot of it's kept under wraps. You know, like, it, it's hard to even get confirmation directly from prospects that they're visiting. I mean, we interacted with Jeff Sims directly a little bit, but he still wouldn't say he was here. You know, it's, it's kind of like a veil of secrecy trying to cover portal recruiting. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess right now I would. the answer is Marcus Washington will be out there as a starting receiver. Alante. Alante Brown will be, and I think Fleeks would have a good chance. Joshua Fleeks, the transfer from Baylor. Yeah. All right. 5'10", 190. Then, then one of those young guys would be the fourth. It's just a matter of The thing is, though, one. like Fleeks and Alante Brown look the same to me. They look like slot guys, right? Mm-hmm. That's where one of those bigger guys like Bonner might Bonner. have a shot. All right, how many more spots with two more commits this week? How many more scholarship players can Nebraska add? I mean, I think it I I could see five more. Four or five more. I think they'll I think they'll break thirty three. And thirty three is what they added last year. Yeah. And you know, that's it'll always work itself out. Like people worried about the numbers crunching in January. Like people freak don't out. Don't waste about your time. It. Like it, it'll all get figured out. What's the psychology there? Why do people worry about that oh, so much? Because everyone wants to know who's going to get thrown over the wall. Yeah. Like, like it, there's just this like intrigue to know who is the guy that's going to get thrown out. You know, like, and everyone wants to know, like, predict who's going to get cut. Who's leave? You know, like yeah. they want to know. Um, you know, it's like guys, Tyreek Johnson probably not going to be back. You know, like that's one that you. Like Braxton Clark's one that intrigues me. Will mm-hmm. he come back for a six year at Nebraska if he's not in the plans? Like we don't know. I mean, I mean, he was he was right on the cusp of the plan last year. I mean, he played. He did play. He saw some very meaningful snaps. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's just a number of guys like Tyreek um, Tyreek Johnson, Braxton Clark. Um, those are two that jump out immediately. Hunter Anthony, I would assume, stays. Um, but what if he's not on the plans at right tackle or left tackle? Where's he at? Where's Noel Pola Gates at? Um, yeah, he's a, the secondary. They're bringing in a lot of bodies like um, Deshaun Singleton, Noel Pola Gates. Those are two that jump out to me um, in this conversation. Kane Williams. Kane Williams. Where's he at in this yeah. conversation? Mm-hmm. Um, if Jaleel Martin leaves the spring not liking where he's at, where's he at in this? You know, new staff. He's not one of their guys. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of that. T- Tamon Lyman. Yeah. You know, where's he at? Javier Morton. Yeah. Where's he at? You know, like I think you could, you could go through and make a case on a lot of names on here. You know, inside linebacker Seth Malcolm, Randolph Kapai, Makai Gaber. If they can't get in the two deep now, are they ever going to get in the two? Well, deep? isn't this a discussion of? A lot of these players will see where they, where they can position, position themselves in the spring. And then that May 1 to May 15th right. window. Right. So, so there's a May 1 to May 15th portal window. Portal window. That's critical. That's a, that's a critical period. Yeah, you can't go out of town that way. It'll be a busy two weeks. Right. Yeah. Um, all right, what are your thoughts on the new wide receivers coach uh, having so little to no experience? And I, I think that's where I, I lean towards rule. I mean, this is his show. That's it. 
and he can do what he wants. I mean, well, you have to trust him on this. Like he knows more about running a football team than any of us will know, and how he wants to do it. So, um, can you be critical about hiring a twenty-three-year-old wide receiver coach? Absolutely, but it's not our show to run. Well, it's not, but it is our place to analyze, and we covered it. It does come down to trust in your head coach. It really does. And you will say that, I mean, I'm sure Matt Rule has as much knowledge and background on this kid, on this guy than anybody. I mean, just because of his relationship with the father. I mean, they're like best friends mm-hmm. with uh, you, know, you know, those two guys. So, I mean, I think that there's this isn't just some uninformed on a whim decision. I think that there's <laughs> Matt Rule obviously uh, has a lot to like with this hire and um, wouldn't have made it just to do a favor. I think that he sees a lot of value. Oh, and, no. and again, this is not unprecedented. You know, <clears throat> guys that age get power five level jobs. It's happened before. And, you know, usually the, the, the coaches that are that young that are getting those jobs are up-and-comers that are going to be doing big things very sw- very quickly. I mean, I hate to bring up things we don't know. It's not. It's hardly ever a good look, but you just wonder, it, was this was Garrett McGuire down the list a little bit? I mean, was were there, were there other... Did the Mickey Joseph thing mm-hmm. change things too? Um, but what we talked about a long time ago was like Mickey's asking money, like what he wanted. I don't think Mickey Joseph was really ever going to be a part of this thing. Even before well, the incident happened, we were asked on the live chat, uh, "Would Mickey could would Mickey have been the wide receivers coach if not for the trouble he got in?" And my answer to that is likely no. I mean, Mickey wasn't. I don't think in that Mickey. I don't think that Mickey was going to stay here as a receivers coach and make a half million dollars. That's not what Mickey wanted. He wanted to make seven figure money, right? Seven figure money and and have at the very least a coordinator tag of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, not 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 work for five hundred thousand dollars as a receiver. He was making six hundred last year. Yeah. Well, whatever he was. But the highest paid receivers coach in the country made nine hundred last mm-hmm. year. So, you know, like Mickey it, wanted a lot more than nine hundred thousand yeah, dollars. A lot more, and yeah. he wanted. I mean, he wanted to be paid as. The, you don't see a lot of receivers coaches that are coordinators. No, you don't. You don't. The other thing about Mickey, he was interviewing. He was going to interview for head coaching jobs. Mm-hmm. I mean. He wanted to be a head coach. He had a shot at some head coaching jobs. Tulsa. Tulsa was the big one. Yeah. I mean, he wanted to get in at Arizona State, or he, he was at least yeah. talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's where his mindset was. It wasn't, I'll stay as a receiver's coach. That would have been, that strikes me as almost last resort for me. I just don't think it would have worked. Like, yeah, there's I, a lot of politics and egos involved. I mean, if, if Matt Rule didn't hire Barrett Rude over like Rob Dvorak. Like, why would he hire Mickey Joseph? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, good point. I mean, there, there's just some of the guys like you look at on the roster that he could have kept and didn't keep. No, and there's a there was a mindset there that uh, what I was told is that Rule was was careful about this. Is it he didn't want to keep former staff members? He's done that before, and it didn't. It, it doesn't work well. It didn't. It doesn't always work well. Um, so yeah, he wanted new blood in there. Like Bill Bush is a great coach and would have done a fine job of kept, but you know, like he wanted to go in a different direction, you know, like he wanted to bring in Ed Foley to coach special teams. All right. Um, question on Dylan Riola. What does Matt rule have to do in 2023 to convince Dylan Riola to commit to Nebraska? I think the biggest thing guys is courtship. You know, how often is Dylan Riola going to come? Like, is there courtship happening right now that's already happened that we don't even know about? I think there has been. Really? 
Well, Dominic was here on December 9th at the Purdue basketball game. Was Dylan here? I don't know about uh, that. but Matt Rule said he took a, a top-ranked 2020 what, four, five recruit, four recruit uh, out to dinner and posted the picture of it. So there was a lot of the one correlations. Vincenzo's. Yeah, there was a lot of correlation there. Family dinner, like mm-hmm. God, that cryptic Twitter game, like it's gonna drive Husker fans up the wall. I know, like the, the just the pictures and all the game stuff. Well, how, the, the answer, yeah, that. But the answer to the question of how do you get Dylan Rayol is lar- it's also largely nil. I mean, that's you're gonna have to pay him. <laughs> you have to pay him. I, I mean, I want to say a million dollars, right? I mean, isn't that what we're talking about? That's about the market for a five-star top-ranked quarterback, top, 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 top-ranked player overall mm-hmm. in the class. Yeah, it's a million dollars. Yeah, um, and yeah, you know, he's a. I mean, there's two collectives technically with Nebraska football, but really only one that's operating 1890. But the other one, uh, the Big Red Collaborative, is highly connected to Dylan Raiola. So, mm-hmm. you know, their value in the conversation of Dylan Raiola, in my opinion, is fairly significant. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's a. Yeah, that's, it's it's a very interesting conversation yeah. because Court, of the world we're in. Courtship, NIL, but the, they also have to show it on the field that you know this is not just some dumpster fire that you're going to walk into and not even compete for anything oh, remotely close I to mean, a championship. Some so of the, the, yeah, let's face it. Hey, Rob, some of this, sorry to cut you off, but some of this is an offensive line discussion yeah. where his uncle coaches. Uh-huh. I mean, if the offensive line falters like it did in 2022, if it does that again in 2023, the conversation gets pretty awkward, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you got to watch that. You got to watch that stuff. All right, as we take questions in the mailbag, when will we hear from Matt Rule and or the assistant coaches in an interview get-to-know kind of roundtable format? We think maybe next week. Maybe. It's going to happen. Um, here's the thing, guys. Um, the coaches are not on campus right now. Um, but you know, the, 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 the entire staff is not here yet. Okay. The new hires, so yeah, they haven't even officially announced a full staff. So if you're going to do like roundtable with the offensive coaches, don't you want all the offensive coaches here? Yes, but how? If if for instance, if if this player from Stanford, this tackles visiting this weekend, don't they have to have the pretty much the full complement of coaches around here? Um, what does Garrett McGuire have to do with an offense like? The, the uh, okay, two, you don't the, have to have them all. The, the two NFL guys still got to work. Yeah, the linebackers coach probably doesn't need to be um, actively involved in a tackle. Maybe not. <laughs> but the other thing for next week, when I start to look at what well, we have days to talk to the coaches, the thirteenth is when they can go back on the road. So, you know, when will they get out of town? Because from the thirteenth to the twenty eighth, they can be on the road recruiting. Mm-hmm. Now they'll come back in town, presumably like Fridays. Uh, but maybe not because maybe they're going to go watch high school basketball games of guys on Saturday and whatnot. Mm. So, you know, we hope that we'll hear from these coaches in January, but the recruiting calendar could, you know, make it a little interesting um, if they divide it up and say two days, like when will all the coaches be back in town at one time? Well, so you're suggesting that we'd have to do it before January 13th. Yeah. January 13th is when things open up again. Today's mm. the fourth. The fourth. Yeah. So there's a window here that ho- hopefully we get them within that window. So there's your answer. Then final question, what is your New Year's resolution, Steve Sipple? I don't make them. Um, I don't really make them. I don't, I, don't, I don't make them resolutions. Yeah. Sorry, that's a boring answer. Yeah. Should I make something up? Yes. So, so you're going to work out more. I no. Well, you, you did. You <laughs> um, joined Planet Fitness. There you go. Yeah, Not sponsored yeah. by the show or anything. Get a gym. But they, we will take your sponsorship if you want to sponsor Steve Sipple. 
okay, what should I do better? Um, I should help more with recruiting. That's my New Year's resolution. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> help, yeah. Help cover recruiting better. I did write, hey, Robin, did you notice I wrote a breakdown yesterday? I did. Yeah. Branching out. Yeah, branching out. Man. Yeah, I don't know. I, I usually don't do them either. My wife always like asks me what we're what I'm going to do. I'm like, I always give her the same answer. I don't know. Dry January. Just yeah. yeah no. Dry January. No, I will not be doing that. NFL God. Playoffs. Uh, <laughs> Giants are in the playoffs. Do you think I'm going to do dry January? Giants are in the playoffs for the first time since 2016? No way. No, don't do dry January. <laughs> dry January is not fun. No, it's physically no. impossible. <laughs> Sean, what's yours? Oh, you guys got to get. I don't really know. I mean, don't you don't force this. You don't have to have a resolution. And I don't want to get like all deep. Like, no, be like a better husband. You know, like, <laughs> be a better father. You know, like I don't want to get like down that route. Like, I'm gonna pay attention to my kids more. Be a better listener at home, or like you know, just be more in the moment. Yeah. Be present. Be, be present. <laughs> And that's These a, are all very adult <laughs> things, by the way, that you could the, do. What's hard about this job is, you know, there's so many things moving around yeah. at times. Like you have to like not always be present, right? Because well, you know, come on, we're. I mean, I, there's people all over the world that would could say that. I mean, well, what we went through in December was like one of the longest, hardest months. I think we've and you've done this 33 years. I've happened. done it over 20, and I mean. We both got pretty. I mean, it, was, it, was it didn't help that it was fifty below. That's what yeah. I always remember. Yeah, about. it was like Arctic cold, like the most like newsy month of December ever. We all got sick. Like it was a grind. <laughs> it was awful. Let's just face it. It was fifty below, is what I'll remember about it mostly. Covering. God, I sound like a wimp sometimes. Cyber, uh, we didn't have to go anywhere. I don't know. I kind of did. You have to go do something to the. Oh, you do a show. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, when we come back, <laughs> um, so our New Year's, New Year's resolution, we're not telling you. No, New Year's resolution, no complaining. No, no complaining. complaining. Yeah, lo- there you go. Yeah. Grind. grind. Grind harder. Yeah, just be happy. Be happy that you're able to grind. Yeah, our New Year's that? resolution is we're, we're going to be on a bull trip next December, hopefully. Oh, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. Think about that, guys. It's been. I forgot. I, I forgot what bull trips are like. This is how much I think about bull trips. Like I was watching the Orange Bowl. This is kind of sad. I was watching the Orange Bowl, and I went on the Orange Bowl website. He sent it to me, and I pulled up the media itinerary <laughs> and fantasized what it would have been like to cover the Orange Bowl for a week yep. in Miami. Going to practices, the bull press conference, That's beautiful. And show. what I discovered was I stayed at one of the team hotels already. Yeah, the Diplomat. Yeah, uh, it's a Hilton property, and okay. and um. <laughs> Okay, Hollywood. Yeah, and then the font, the font, the Fountain Blue or whatever. Yeah, Fountain Blue. Fountain Blue is yeah. the other team hotel. Okay, and that'd be beautiful. And it was like, God, how amazing would yeah, that be? Yeah, it would be amazing. It would be. There's nothing wrong with fantasizing about it either. I'd take a Citrus Bowl trip. You know, I'd take Tampa. Yeah, Vegas. Yeah, oh, any of that. Charlotte. Yeah, any of that. Any of them. I'd take yeah. Shreveport. I would die for Shreveport. I mean, the only, yeah, that, I'm not gonna complain. So. Uh, I'm not going to say pinstripe bull, but um, any of those ones you mentioned would be great. Oh, too bad El Paso. Robin and I, when it was back in play, we joked about how we would have like ventured over to Juarez. Ah, uh, not a good idea. Not, 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 I mean, we were younger and dumber. When not a great that. idea. <laughs> make, make some bad decisions. Yeah. See what happens. <laughs> Jer- Jerry Murtaugh tells the story how like he got like arrested in Juarez. Oh, there's a shock when when they were there for the Sun Bowl and. Right. and was it sixty nine or yeah. when they played Old Miss and, and Devaney like Devaney like got him out of jail? Yeah, I don't know that we'd want to go to Juarez. No, I know. Yeah. All right, well, this got way <laughs> off the rails, but 
I thought people would enjoy that I pulled up the orange bowl. I love that. We'll just leave you with the thought of what, what Sipple would do with and I, I did the day to, in Juarez. I did Gosh. send it to Robin. I said, Robin, how great would this week be mm-hmm. right here if we were in Miami for that this whole week? Nice. But All right, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk Kevin Warren maybe leaving the Big Ten and Jim Harbaugh maybe leaving Michigan. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. All right, here we go. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Stephen Civil, Robin Washington, having fun here, uh, as uh, we always do on the Husker Online Show. And that's something we always say, like, God, you guys have a lot of fun doing this. We do have a lot of fun. Yeah. You kind of caught me on that resolution thing. I hope people aren't disappointed that none of us had a resolution. We did. We're going to a bull trip. Grind harder and go to a bull trip. And no complaining. And no complaining. Okay. And hopefully it's in Florida. We all like Florida. Mm Mm-hmm. But if it's somewhere else, we'll be fine. We'll all right. grind somewhere else. Speaking of bowl <laughs> games and other topics, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, they, they obviously blew that game against TCU. They had a fumble inside the one-yard line. Uh, they had two pick sixes they had. I mean, a lot of things, you know, they and they still almost won. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, and we're not going to get in the game, uh, Jim Harbaugh um, could be leaving Michigan to either Carolina, maybe Denver, Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Um, what percentage do you guys put that Harbaugh is in the NFL next year? Over 50 or under 50? Um, I'm going to go over 50. Slightly over 50. Yeah, not like dramatically. Like I don't think it's a sure thing, but I think that if the right opportunity presents itself, which there's going to be some decent jobs available, for, especially for a coach of his pedigree, you know, he doesn't stay anywhere long, and he's been at Michigan how long now? I mean, eight. Yeah, eight I mean years. that's that's on the long end for his stays. So usually, you know, he gets worn out of his current situation. People around him in his current situation get worn out of him, and so it seems like the timing kind of lines up where there's good opportunities, um, and maybe he's just ready to to turn the page once again. He's 59 years old. This would be a great opportunity for him if he wants to get back in the NFL to do He's it. He's an NFL guy. Yeah. He's 44-19-1 with San Francisco. 44-19-1. Fell short in the Super Bowl against his brother. Yeah. I, does he have an itch to get back and try that? Yeah, I bet he does, and he's 59, so this would be about the right time to do it. Now, it'd be seismic. It'd be seismic for the Big Ten if, if he leaves. And, and, and right away, you think, what does Michigan do? I mean, what does Michigan do? I mean, it's, Luke, Luke Fickle's gone. It's very provocative, the conversation. You, you know, you think of guys like Todd, Pe- or Todd Pe- uh, Peterson, the former Washington coach. Um, uh, Peterson, Sean. Why can't I think of his name? Anyway, Peterson. Um, you think of him. Get it, Rob. I don't know. Bob Stoops comes to mind. Bob Stoops is a Rust Belt guy from Youngstown. Um, Chris. Chris Peterson. Duh. Chris Peterson, you wonder about. Bob Stoops, you wonder about. You wonder about P.J. Fleck. Um where would Michigan go with that job? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the type of job, though, that, I mean, like you could see a <clears throat> coach who you would assume is in a comfortable situation maybe reevaluate it and say, well, that's Michigan. What about Urban Meyer? Mm. Yeah, I know, I What saw, about Urban Meyer? I saw on message boards, geniuses, they somebody <laughs> did a snapshot or a, a screenshot of uh, a Michigan message board suggesting that very thought. 
that they should go get Urban Meyer if Jim Harbaugh leaves. Urban Meyer comes to mind. Talk about drama. Oh, it'd be really dr- – yeah, and you're right, though. That is the sort of job where someone that seems comfortable might go, like Dabo. I mean, you kind of wonder about Dabo Sweeney. Probably not, but that's the sort of coach that comes to mind. Uh, I just think it's seismic. I mean, it's it's seismic because, in part because Harbaugh's been very successful there now. Well, Harbaugh's making just over $8 million, <laughs> which is below James Franklin, which is below Ryan Day, which is below Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. Um well, I think he. I think he'd have to get over ten million to stay at Michigan. That's my take. Um, and according to the USA Today salary database, there are, are technically. And it's hard to know because the numbers change. But there are three coaches over ten right now: Kirby Smart, Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban. But Brian Kelly's right there at nine eight. Um, Mel Tucker's right there. Mel Tucker's right there at nine five, which is crazy. Mel Tucker makes more money than Mike Tomlin. In what world does that make sense? It doesn't really make sense. I mean, I mean college really. college contracts don't make sense in general. <laughs> How much money is getting thrown around? It, at any rate, it's a fascinating story. I mean, think about the Denver Broncos. If he would jump to the De- if Harbaugh would jump to Denver Broncos and take on Russ. Apparently, he's already talked with Carolina. Yeah, I, I, Carolina seems like the one that has the most steam right now. Yeah, but will they keep their current guy? So, I mean, there's a lot of. That's an attractive – is Carolina – I mean, that's an attractive division, right? Yeah, I mean, especially if Brady leaves. I mean, like it's Tampa's why, gonna be up in the air, so it's there get, for the taking. Like, where his previous division, you wouldn't want to be in the NFC West again. I mean, that, that's probably the hardest Ooh. division. It's up there. Um, all right, I want to hit on this before we close the show, too. Kevin Warren, Big Ten commissioner, publicly interviewed, and they've acknowledged that with the Chicago Bears to be the com- the commissioner of the Bears? Or the president. The president of the president Bears, Bears, which is the head of the organization – um, what do you make of this? Like, why why would that job be better than being the Big Ten commissioner? Well, if he has designs on being the NFL commissioner, that would be a logical step toward that. Yeah, that that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I mean, maybe there's a lot of just what what uh, he's had to try to navigate through uh, has been pretty uh, unusual with the, the, the pandemic and then uh, the conference realignment and all that sort of stuff, but. Considering the work that you know he and the Big Ten office have put in, like you're just going to drop and leave it to go T- be the president of the Bears? Yeah, typically commissioners' tenures last a long time. It would be this would be sort of unusual for him just to serve a few years and then move on. Except, except the NFL scenario makes so so much sense that, that if he indeed has designs on being. The commissioner of the NFL. This makes a lot of sense, and I think he'd be in that conversation. What do you think? Sure. Do you think that maybe some handcuffs got put on Kevin Warren with his with his powers after some of his mishandlings of the pandemic, where he doesn't like his job as much, or because he doesn't have total power? I mean, I don't, I don't, Sean. I don't know that there's any. I don't know if I want to conjure up anything negative. I think what this is is what his next move would be, or his ultimate is, move. Yeah, is. and and let's face it. There's a there's a fair amount of prestige. For that person who's from, he's you know he's from that area to be the leader of the Chicago Bears is that's a pretty prestigious position, and again might get you to the Did. ultimate. Where come on, I mean, Kevin Warren as the NFL commissioner, you think he would turn that job down? No, I mean for one thing, you make about thirty million dollars. I, I mean, do you? See, 
maybe I'm way off base here because of 2020, and I can't get that out of my mind. But like, I don't see him as an NFL commissioner. I'm sorry, guys. I mean, do you do you think he is the guy that does would he have the chops to lead the league? I don't know. Just Roger Goodell. <laughs> I think a lot of people would question that as well. So I don't know. Bar isn't very high. Does he there. have the chops? Who does, Sean? I mean, who? I will say the work that they've done in this conference expansion has been pretty. Yeah, I mean, how much is that really complain about in the that. TV deal? But in, and I do think he did a great job with the TV deal. But what's Barry Alvarez's role in this whole operation yeah. now? Like he was brought in, it felt like to kind of pick up the flaws of Kevin Warren, perhaps, and and and, and kind of take on some of the old guard of this league and the football topics. And the other thing is, there's some talk about Warren that he there might be some frustration that he can't get. Stanford and Cal, um, Oregon and Washington. Yeah, he wants some more academic prestige injected into the Big Ten, and if there's roadblocks there, that might be a frustration, which might be a negative. It might be a negative reason, I guess, that he would he would look at something else like the Bears. So if he let's say let's hypothetical, let's say he goes to the Bears, where does the Big Ten go? I got three names: Barry Alvarez, Gene Smith, Jim Phillips. I like Jim Phillips of those three. Jim Phillips is the is he's a, he used to be at Northwestern um, in administration leadership position, president, whatever it was, and now he's the ACC commission. He would make total sense. Yeah, I don't think Barry Alvarez makes sense. He's I don't too think, old. Well, no, it's not age; it's more background. He what about Gene a, Smith? Yeah, I mean, Gene Smith makes a lot more sense than Barry. Barry doesn't have any legal background. Doesn't. Have any business background, really? Not, not to speak of. I, I think you need to be more. You're, you need more. You need to have more variance in your background than Barry Alvarez to be the I commissioner mean, of the Big Ten. Phillips is a no-brainer. I mean, Phillips like it's seamless. Would he come back though after being passed over? Yes. Yes. I think to he be would. the Big Ten commissioner, especially the changing landscape of college athletics, like that's a pretty good seat to be in. Yeah, I think that's where they'd go. Right. There's names, though, that we don't know. Like, we didn't know Kevin Warren right. when they named Kevin Warren. Right. We didn't know him. And that's where, like, search committees, they come up with a Kevin Warren name. And then you look at it, you're like, wow, this guy would make sense. So, all right, well, lots to keep up on. Make sure you follow Husker Online. Um, Robin will be in Minneapolis. We'll have complete coverage as well of the transfer portal, all things Huskers, as uh, we move you closer here um, to another era of Husker football, Matt Rule. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.